Hello. 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 Ah, there you are. Here I am. So tell me, how does my mic sound? It's okay. I mean, the Blue Yeti would be preferable, but... Oh, then let me... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. Let me just get that out then. I mean, if you have professional equipment. I, I know. <laughs> I'm just a lazy bitch. I'm sorry. I sent LaVita um, my extra Blue Snowball, which is like the, the low end. I hear good things about Blue Snowball. I think it sounds great. I'm on like a, a really professional one, like a, yeah. you know, Samson something or other. Um, but I used that one before. It was fine. I, I was Samson too, <laughs> but this is my first pop filter and I love it. I was actually thinking about getting the Elgato Wave. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm slowly becoming an Elgato fanboy, um, but I don't need it. So I'm just like, why spend the fucking money if I don't have to? Yeah, it definitely makes a difference, though, when you go to edit. Yeah. Wait, I actually cannot find. Oh, my God. I feel like, <sighs> fuck my life. I mean, if you can't find it, that's fine. You sound you sound fine. So I'm just now using like house cleaners for the first time and they move everything. Oh, yeah, that is a problem. The struggle. <laughs> <laughs> the first the first world problems okay so, okay so hopefully this will actually be fine let just let me know okay okay welcome to the latest adventure in podcasting journey with us across time as we explore the rich 14-year history of stranded In order to look forward, we must first look back. This is Stranded Through History. And now, a look back at Season 1. Stranded in Bolivia. Welcome everyone to a brand new series for Stranded Podcasts. This is Stranded Through History. We're joined by my co-host Lavita, lead archivist, and we're going to be <laughs> we're going to be talking about all of Stranded history leading up until season 40 and beyond probably i don't think we could finish all of them before then but um this is will be a new series where we can go back and talk about the seasons that maybe you've heard a little bit about but not quite sure what happened and this will be a good way for people who are new to listen and learn everything we can possibly remember about those earlier seasons based off of the information that we have fortunately the first three seasons we had pretty in-depth episodes written unfortunately seasons four through uh, 14 we have extremely limited information about so we'll try to fill in some gaps there but you'll definitely get a more in-depth rundown on one through three and 15 through 39 i guess so with that being said tonight since this is the first edition of stranded through history i figured we would talk a little bit about the lead up to stranded how stranded started this was a simpler season so i think we have enough time to talk about the before times before stranded before we begin let's let's put ourselves in the mindset of 14 years ago it's 2007 i am just graduating high school And we started this new journey that would later become Stranded because before that, I started my org career in around 2003, 2004. And really, it was all over the place. You got to remember, I was probably 13 or 14 at the time. So a long time ago, (laughs) very immature. Uh, Even reading back on these episodes, the immaturity screamed through. (laughs) Before Stranded, all of the seasons had over 30 people and it was just every creative idea that I had in the book was thrown out at people within one season. It was just a big hot mess. It's important to note though that there weren't really any orgs to base off of. I mean, there were orgs at the time, but they were not as intense. I think most of them were hosted like on forums like FGC, Aging Myself. And uh, when I started Stranded, I I got into web design, so I was able to create my own forums and host my own website, which no one was doing at the time. So that's really where Stranded was born, was starting out of 
or not stranded, but my org experience was born. Starting out of these intense, realistic experiences of, you know, challenges on this survivor cadence of close to every three days or what have you. And so so when we started these earlier orgs, it was kind of like all over the place. I think my first org, I had 32 people in it. And then from there, more and more people started getting into these things. I really brought orgs to Survivor Sucks culture. And from there, I know after a while, uh, FML started his series. And then from there, Games That Sucks was created because it was kind of like an anti-Pootie hating club (laughs) at the time. (laughs) Where anybody who was in Pootie's games were not allowed in that forum. (laughs) It was was very tumultuous. And I know people would like steal our ideas and then steal the players. And it, it was a hot mess. So I was very much created out of like this very cutthroat. Uh, I mean, you can imagine the beginning of orgs was going to be cutthroat just by the nature of orgs. But uh, it was crazy. And and I was crazy. So I don't doubt I brought a lot of that on myself. Pre-medication booty was not a good look. Um, Really, even post-medication booty is not a great look looking back. But, you know, you live and you learn. So anyway, uh, fast forward, I had done 12 seasons of that series and I was ended it on like an all stars. I was just graduating high school, so I was looking to end it. And it was like marred in controversy, probably brought on by myself. And it was I was just over it. You know, Hurricane Katrina happened in the middle of that series and I was just all over the place. So I was really looking to get out. And then Zod, who had played in a few of those games, came to me and said, you know, I'm looking to start a series. I know you're retired or whatever, but I, I think, you know, you could help me at least. And so I was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll help you out. And that's really where the start of Stranded was born. He, he looked at everything and thought he was older than I was at the time. He's probably uh, in his early 20s. And he said, you know, I'd like to start one where it's a more restrained, realistic experience where we get all new people because at that time, orgs were just the same people playing season after season. He's like, let's get I think I can get all new people. I said, all right, that sounds interesting. You know, I'm down for like a 16 person back to basics, very restrained, one clear twist idea, uh, all above board concept. And he came up with the concept of everything. I, I think I might have helped with the title, but really most of it was his idea. If you if you read back on the episodes, he's Jeff Probst in those. And I was Mark Burnett as a production role. I mean, the first season's super rough, but you do kind of get that concept. It's very stripped down. And having him there to edit my creativity was super important. And that's really where I learned like, okay, let's not throw the kitchen sink at everyone in one season, you know? And so that's really how Strand was born. And then here we are 14 years later, still talking about it. So uh, it's been a ride. Rudy is joining us, our first Stranded icon. Hello, hello. He was there from the beginning and he was even there from slightly before the beginning because he had played in one of my I think one or two of my early, uh, earlier games pre-stranded. I was, I was full play. Remember that tumultuous um, season? I think someone had dropped out. And so you want, how did we even meet? I'm not sure. I forget how, like our origin story of our friendship, but you had recruited me to like replace um, fair play in a game. That's right. Yeah. It was the all-star. So I was, I was ending it. And so I needed someone to replace one of the players, and I guess I made it a twist that you were, as a new player, would play him. Do you remember anything about those those early days? Because I don't remember a lot other than how insane they were. All I remember is that they were, it was extremely dramatic. And I'm not even sure if the game ended in a traditional sense of the way. You might be right. I might have just canceled it. I don't know. I think it ended up getting canceled before the final three because there was rumors of people cheating. And I was just like a deer caught in the headlights because I was a newbie at that time. And um, it was all just kind of a whirlwind to me. Yeah. And, And I mean, full disclosure, I was not on the up and up at that time. Um, so I don't know. I, I was a emotional kid, obviously, reading, reading even I mean, on we, Stranded. We were we were teenagers. <laughs> I mean, go without saying. 
So um, looking back on that time is is insanity. But I know some people had like really fond memories of those pre stranded days, particularly Mm -hmm. I I think there was a Tanzania, which I recycled for stranded. But at that time, there was a Tanzania game that everyone loves and still talks about because it was so funny. And so those kind of things are fun. But yes, you were a part of the early, early days. I specifically I think you were a big part of why we went forward with stranded because we were like, well, you know, you never really got a good experience either. But um, so I think Azad was trying to look at people he could start something new with. Right, right. So that brings on Stranded. I, looking back on this, I did not realize it was only 22 days. Super stripped down compared to what we do now. However, I was impressed with like how big the personalities were considering how small it was. Because when I think of it, I think of it kind of like a Borneo situation. It's titled Bolivia, so it's like very strong parallels between the two. But I don't remember it being as chaotic as it was. And it really was. Reading back, I was like, God, these people are interesting. I would have all of them back. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, I took a little bit of time before this podcast to read through some of the episodes. And I forgot how big some of the personalities were. I knew that there was a lot of strategic posturing going on between myself and Joel. But there was a lot of strategy from people like Kel and then big personalities like um, like Susan. Yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised price looking back. When I think of the season overall, before I had looked back at everything, what I remember the most were Joel versus Gretchen. I mean, that's like the big mm-hmm. headline overview of everything. Uh, and you can't not look at that. <laughs> but having looked back at it, it was really a lot of dynamic players. Levita, you went into this pretty much blind. I mean, you had heard a little bit, but really nothing. What was your first impression reading all of this, <laughs> aside from like the lower production value? I mean, I mean, it was fascinating to read through and kind of see just how much people didn't hold back. I mean, you had some of the major elements. Maybe people weren't the most active to start, but totally made up for it. And players like Gretchen especially stuck out. I loved this whole storyline about basically the cast versus the host. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the host I, I versus the host. Not, yeah, I did not. Yeah, right. I did not expect to see that coming into the very first season. Like, wow, <laughs> there was so much conflict here. And yet they kept doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I did not give myself a flattering edit. <laughs> Maybe the time I, I thought I did. I felt like that's a very old school thing where the hosts were actually characters as well. Like they were very active. And I think a case can be made that that's, you know, the evolution of them not being characters anymore is a good thing for the game. But back then they were just as much as part of the show as the actual cast was. That's a very good point. And I think you have to remember the culture back then. I guess we'll call it a culture of old Survivor Sucks. It was very much like the dark place of the Internet. Like it's not Reddit culture now where every, you know, if you're mean, you get downvoted. It was more like if you stepped into Survivor Sucks, you better be prepared to get flamed, as they call it. And then if you couldn't handle that, you would just not be in the kitchen, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Couldn't yeah. handle the heat. Yeah. You weren't going to be in the kitchen. So that really translated into orgs. Internet culture then was it was pre-cancel culture, pre-filters uh, of any kind. And people just went wild with it was pretty much like outcrass each other at that time. To put it in survivor terms, we're taking 16 of those people and two very dramatic hosts and we're putting them all together. Like, of course, it was going to be a shit show. But I think that that was part of the fun of the time. Like, we can't recreate that now. You couldn't find people that that crazy because uh, part of it's shtick and part of it's just humor. And I think we knew that. Like, I, I, I was rereading this. And one part that really stuck out to me was when I'm in a challenge and I'm berating Susan. Like, I'm calling her uh, the C word. I mean, you can reread it. It's awful. And <laughs> when, I, when I'm re- when I'm reading that now, I'm like, Jesus Christ, what was I doing? <laughs> But she's like, uh, yeah, go go suck a fat one, Mark Burnett. You know, it's like she was like expecting that and like not phased at all. Uh, and so I think that that's a perfect example of the culture at the time. Like it was very much you expected to give it and get it. And on that point too, like you, you see in the episodes, a lot of the players are really leaning into their aliases a lot more, I felt. And so I feel like that also just gives people a lot more leeway to kind of do whatever the hell they want and have fun with it and go overboard because they can just kind of blame it on them playing a character. Absolutely. And I think it was it was all pantomime, I think is important to remember. Like if you're looking at it now, there's still series like Orgy where um, Levita, you're kind of familiar with that now. Orgy universe, Mm -hmm. not not the sexual thing. (laughs) And those series 
orgy stemmed from games that suck, which stems from uh, hating Pootie. <laughs> so, you know, I think we both went in different directions where they went, they kind of stuck true to that, reusing a lot of the same players and it just being one big pantomime shtick. Yeah, you see the hosts involved a lot more there too, still. Yeah, like that's very much indicative of this early Stranded, whereas Stranded kind of went in the uh, direction of like more realistic survivor experience, which they're both super fun. So no knock to orgy whatsoever. Definitely. In fact, I highly recommend you at least play one of those games once in your life because it's so fun. It's fun. I can remember early days like recruiting from Orgy and telling people, okay, no shticks in, in Stranded. Like I had to specify that because people are so used to playing a character and I wanted them to realize like, okay, we're getting people who are not used to shticks as well as people who are org players. So like we really just want you to be yourself if possible. Like you can be a, um, an exaggerated form of yourself, but we're not doing like the whole hard shtick thing that you would get in an orgy game. So that's a good point that I'm I'm glad you brought up as well. Let's go ahead and start the reminiscing of Stranded in Bolivia. We started off with 16 players, two tribes of eight, very classic survivor, very stripped down series where everyone was new to games for the most part. I think most of them came from uh, Clubs That Sucks, which was a sub forum of Survivor Sucks for all those Survivor Sucks nerds out there, old schoolers who can remember that. And so we're getting like, again, it's all similar, similar culture there, but it's kind of the first seeds of a more diverse game where not everyone knows each other. And I think we see that really play out in these early days. We, we do have a lot of inactives, of course, because we're taking risks on new players. Uh, so like a majority of the pre-merge boots are that, but we still get those super strong characters. I think instantly Gretchen stands out among the cast. We have to talk about her because she is of the first season the star in my opinion i think all the controversy comes from her and most of the discussion revolves around her total icon total icon i mean her personality was felt immediately on day one and it was felt far after she was eliminated out of the game she's just one of those characters that you know commands attention and commands presence i'm so happy you know even though we had a very tumultuous history in the stranded universe i'm really happy that she was a part of it absolutely and really like i think the best part about her is that she wasn't playing a shtick like if i go back and i reread the first few episodes i'm like you know what i kind of side with gretchen like i I really don't like myself in those I was like, she had great points and she was probably right. But then as you progress through the season, you really start to see where people start to turn on her and her opinions are becoming more and more villainous. Uh, And then you start to see towards the end, like, okay, this wasn't just like the hosts being dicks. Most of the cast doesn't really vibe with her and her and Greg in particular have this this relationship where like they just want to cause as much chaos as possible. And I think that really grates on people over time. Oh, I mean, I can definitely speak. I mean, considering I was in the tribe, I feel like at first I saw her as having great leadership qualities and like, you know, sticking up for herself. But then her personality did become grating to me as a player with her. Um, And she became a really, really big threat that I I felt like needed to be eliminated. And you guys had won most of the pre-merge challenges, right? Your tribe. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you guys just kind of had to sit around and, and grate on each other. For rounds at a time, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I think most of the good players, I mean, there's a few standouts on uh, Aymara at the time, but most of the good players are on Keichua, which is your tribe. And obviously, um, the key players of the season are on that tribe. So I think really what happened, like you said, Gretchen, uh, she was just a polarizing personality, very in charge. And so, of course, that sets you up for a big fall. We see her really kind of controlling the tribe and, and not really getting overly crazy up until episode two. But episode one, she was fine. It seems like everyone was on the same page. Kechua wins that first immunity and Aymara goes to tribal council where they boot out Colby, who was actually or no, they boot out Michael, Michael, who would actually come back to a later season. Love Michael. Mm -hmm. But we really see Colby kind of (laughs) blundering his way through those first early councils, really kind of leaning into his shtick more than like everyone else was, where he was like hating the people that the real Colby hated just out of an act. Is it really early org stuff going on here? (laughs) (laughs) 
You are this alias. I must hate you. I will vote you out this tribal council. Yeah, like some like clearly we did not do a good job prepping people for the <laughs> for the season. Yeah, it ends up being Michael. That tribe is really kind of divided between Kel and Colby, it seems, on that early tribe. Kel I loved. And I loved rereading because I had kind of forgotten how good of a player Kel was, but he really kind of dominated that early game. I also want to shout out to, we'll talk more about her, but Jerry really stands Jerry. out as a huge oh, yeah. character this season. Yes. Out, played by Uri Tool, I think you'd call it on Survivor Sucks. I think she's still around. But really, like, if I'm looking at this season from an outsider's perspective, she's the outsider protagonist of the season against Greg and Gretchen. Definitely. And was really not afraid to, to speak on it. So I wish we had gotten more Jerry in going forward in Stranded History because she's really gotten forgotten after all this time. But rereading the season, she was awesome. Yeah, her and Kill were come back? underrated. Um, she never came back. Joel came back uh, controversially. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I think the only people to return from this season. I know Michael came back. Um, Greg. Obviously, Rudy came back. All the yep. All-Stars came back, obviously. So that was like Susan, Greg, uh, Rudy. Gretchen came back, definitely. Gretchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we uh, in All-Stars, we threw in like Colleen. So that, I think there was only six that came back from Bolivia in that season. And I know Michael comes back in the future and kills it. So, no, Jerry kind of un- underrepresented. Kel also underrepresented. I've, I have been trying, and I still try, <laughs> full disclosure, to get Kel back into Stranded. But um, I think he's too busy. So... Uh, I guess let's talk about episode two, because that's really where the season starts, in my opinion. We had done uh, the very first Deadly Sins challenge, which I ripped off from Big Brother UK, my favorite reality show of all time. And that was really like the start of Evil Stranded, you know, where we we were trying to fuck with people, which is my favorite Stranded version, if we're honest. So this challenge, it forces one tribe member to assign deadly sins to the rest of the tribe, and then they can't talk and the rest of the tribe has to guess what they assigned. Terrible challenge for anyone who's assigning sins. Like anytime we've done it, it's it's like it's a punishment to do that, really. Gretchen assigns sins, and of course that does not end well, and Gretchen is not the type of person to handle controversy well. So there were only so many tribe mates, so there were like six left on Kechua, not including Gretchen, so she couldn't assign seven sins, so she had to unassign one, and she chose like the first anger as the unassigned sin. And I think the whole tribe had to go through and couldn't guess that. So they uh, blamed they blamed her for that. So really, it wasn't even the sins that were that pissed people off. It was her assigning of them that pissed people off. Right. Because of the order it was asked in. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. So she basically tanks it for K2O. I feel bad for her because that's that's such a shitty role to be put in. But Gretchen is not someone who handles that well. So the tribe is a hot mess. It's really where we first see everyone hating Gretchen and Gretchen leaning into that, I guess we'll say. You know, we kind of see people reaching out and being like, you know what? It's fine. Don't worry about it. But then Susan is just like going off on her at Tribal Council. So... The boot goes to an inactive Jervis, I believe. The next tribal council, I think Imara goes on a losing streak. So they they end up booting like Colby, Colby, Roger and Elizabeth in, in various order. All in a row. Yeah, Roger first, then Colby, then Elizabeth. Really not a whole lot to talk about with those boots on that tribe. More just character building of like... Kel and Jerry really is what I remember from that. Yeah, and I mean there was the whole where where uh, Gretchen and Greg like rebelled against the challenge results and then ended up winning and all of that. So they, they were even taking the attention off of Imera <laughs> when Imera was the one losing and going to tribal council multiple times in a row. Yeah, that's really where we see Greg and Gretchen. Their whole character trait is bitching about the hosts and challenges. Like every chance they got, they would disrupt a challenge or council and. Fight fight with the hosts and the hosts would fight back unprofessionally. Uh, but here we are. And then, you know, of course, I saw myself and Azad fighting a lot as hosts, which was hilarious to read. But yeah, I think it just started to grate on people that Greg and Gretchen was so disruptive in all these challenges, constantly bitching. I mean, they would get their way a lot, too. Uh, probably they weren't they weren't too far off, but um, they got their way more than they probably should have more than they would have now, I think. 
So that's kind of the highlight. They really. Yeah, that's fair because they really celebrate it. And they're like, ha ha ha, look, we made the host do what we want. We are in control of this game. Yeah. And really, you know, the inmates were running the asylum, let's be honest. So early stranded, it's fun to reread for that reason. But it, it's it's a hot mess, these early future councils. I think the game really kind of calmed down and started to take shape in the merge. We even see like the host staff is for the most part under control better, except for that one <laughs> that one episode where it's like the events leading up to this were erased. <laughs> it's like such a dramatic intro. Levita's <laughs> screenshotted and sent it to me like, what the fuck was this? The State of Bolivia address. Yeah, and that was the first one. We still do those, by the way. Anytime someone quits. You or, do. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, you know, you gotta keep up tradition. And it was it was all about tube tops and buffs. I, uh, the, the absurdity. So uh, let's start with the merge, I guess. We're merging and Amber and Joel start like this flirtmance, the first stranded showmance, TM. And, uh, you know, the first of many. Let's let's put it that way. Now in Stranded, it seems like every season we have some kind of romance, which is crazier because people are being themselves now. <laughs> so it's getting Stranded is getting very real. But these early days, it was a lot of pantomime. Amber and Joel have like this flirt mance. Amber, I really like. And Amber would go on to become a huge org player bassoon through games that sucks and now orgy. I never ended up getting Amber back into a season, although I had tried. Uh, and now I think she's gone the way of the dodo, as most of these early players have. Of course, we're talking 15 years later. So most people have children and, and whatnot. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, or we're not as young as we were when we started. So, you know, now they might be... 40 plus not that we don't have 40 pluses in stranded but i think that they're over the the online culture so amber goes home first and then the jury starts and finally finally they get rid of queen bitchin this is really where the title bitchin comes from i think joel was the first one to coin it and that's kind of what she's infamous for everyone had just been sick of her shit she was calling all the shots on keichua who had the numbers advantage I think Kelly might have been the first one to come up with the idea. Pretty sure it was Kelly. Kelly was the one to be like, okay, guys, let's flip shit. Let's take the queen out. Yeah, Kelly was a hard hardcore gamer. As we would see when she returns 26 seasons later in Suriname, which was a second chance season. Wow. She was in All-Stars too, but really, I mean, we're talking like an 11-year layoff from her original outing. But she comes back and, and is super strategic. We certainly got glimpses of that here. But yes, she was definitely the one to kind of stir the shit. She was close in a lot of different alliances. But Rudy, you and Joel, we'll talk about your partnership. But you guys... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys were like solid as a rock in those early days. Yep. And really, Joel was kind of... I would say Joel was the front man of your pairing. Mm -hmm, definitely. And you were kind of the one more social butterfly of the two that would kind of get little whispers here and there of plans that were happening. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that for most of the pre-merge, I was pretty quiet and borderline inactive. I forget why I was, but I remember ramping up my activity as soon as the merge happened. And I was able to connect with uh, some of the other outsiders like Jerry. I think I remember becoming close to Jerry and even Kel later on. And so uh, I was able to kind of go out and kind of, you know, put tentacles out, put feelers out while Joel was kind of like the strategic backbone in our pair. I remember looking back on your first season, like before you came back for All Stars, because that's a whole other Rudy. You were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were kind of just like this. I mean, a sweetheart, really. Everyone really liked you. You were just there to have fun and people could come to you with ideas. You weren't like super, super over the top strategic like you are now. I mean, you were strategic, but you weren't as cutthroat, I should say. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely the impression I got too. having heard the tales of King Rudy. You know, <laughs> here I am reading through the episodes. I'm like, oh, must be a different season. He gets right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be all stars. Uh, which we, we will have to talk with you about that season because that we'll is there. we'll get there. <laughs> Rudy in his prime. Um, <laughs> I was a lot more naive. I will say I was naive. 
And I, I honestly went into this game and I still do to some extent. I try to go into games thinking that I can align with one person and really make it to the end with that person. And Joel was that guy for me. And not to get too ahead of things, but, you know, when I end up not winning or not getting to the final two, that kind of clicked in my head. OK, maybe I have to be more cutthroat. Yeah. And, and you know, there are players... It's interesting. We have players who play their first season and they come out of it wishing they had done things differently, wishing they were more aggressive, more. Mm-hmm. Yep. They had, had more fun doing it. And I think you're in that category, whereas there are other players who they go for their first time and that's their most entertaining. And every time after that, they're just like they learn the ropes and they're much more subdued and under the radar. Right. I think you're in the, the former category. Definitely. Definitely. So Bitchin finally goes home. A lot of work put in by Kelly and Jerry in mm-hmm. particular in taking out Bitchin. And really, Jerry is the first one to stand up to her in because most of these challenges and, and tribal councils are dominated by her just berating everyone and controlling the conversation, fighting with the hosts on behalf of everyone. And we finally see Jerry like buck back, I think, in the challenge. And she was like, you know, it was really awesome to read. I was like, I really can get behind Jerry. And so she had that going for her. Plus, she was part of the minority. So um, you always root for the underdog. But mm-hmm. finally, she gets her, their way and, and Gretchen goes home. And, and that's really when the season opens up. And that's also when we see Greg really go off the deep end. Uh. <laughs> Greg was in a lot of ways worse than Gretchen after rereading this. Like Gretchen was a pain in the ass, but Greg was like her her uh, her hyena. If we're doing Lion King <laughs> references, right? I mean, I would agree. I would agree. I think he was. I mean, looking back, I felt like he was a spoiled brat. You know, like yes. Bitchin was the queen, and and he was her spoiled brat son. Who you know, his toys have been <laughs> taken away now, and now he's going to throw a temper tantrum. That's that's Greg this season. <laughs> Definitely, that is so accurate. And look, as someone, I can throw shade at myself too. I certainly threw a lot of them temper tantrums. It was right there in the mud with them. <laughs> Specifically with Izzad, <laughs> the voice of reason this season. Yeah. Greg goes off the deep end, really continues on. And I think he got worse. And someone commented on it at one of the tribal councils I was rereading where they're like, oh, Greg's on a crusade for Gretchen. You know, now that she's gone, he's like doing everything to to keep her doing her bidding still. And you really felt that, that he was like just there to fuck up the game for everyone else. Accuses Kelly of being in with you host or something i think it was was that amber or maybe it was kelly i don't know uh, who knows the uh, they were they assumed that we were like postponing challenges to give people advantages and i don't know it was a hot mess rereading all that <laughs> it seemed like a new a new crusade every every episode basically greg is a classic troll if you can go by those terms i don't know how old he was at the time he's still around i still get messages from him he's just not interested in playing but a fantastic character and definitely on the younger side, I think, if you're looking at this, because he's like very much on my level of maturity and during this, <laughs> during this outing. <laughs> Finally, uh, things start shifting around. I think Alicia goes and then it's kind of like a back and forth going on. Notably, Kelly, Kel and Jerry are kind of the opposition. And I see a lot. This is where Joel, after Gretchen is gone, Joel really commands control over the whole season where he's really pulling a lot of strings. He's like this calm overlord over (laughs) over everyone else. And you can kind of tell that in his demeanor. I mean, he wasn't very he was non wavering, I would say, you know, like he had his plan. He knew who he wanted to go win. And anytime a, a wrench got thrown in that, he would be very shaken. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. I feel like you were in particular keeping him from going too far off the rails once his control was kind of questioned. Yeah. Supportive suburban um, housewife to Joel was my my role. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'm kind of forgetting uh, because I'm in my head. I know Greg quits the game. Yes. Which was was during during a challenge. It looks yes. like you announced the challenge and he just says, I'm quitting. Bye. Yeah. But six around for jury, I guess. Or was he removed? I don't know. No, he was. He didn't. You added Amber back into the jury. OK, that's a good call. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Greg just Greg Bamp. He got out of there and you said, well, Amber gets to be a juror now. <laughs> yeah. We had some boots in between there. I think Kelly goes home sixth after Greg yes. quits. So that brings us to the final 
five, which is Jerry, Susan, Rudy, Joel, and Kel, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. You do? It's kind of, it was bizarre because it was almost like Greg quits and then we're left with like five solid players, but like Susan reappeared out of nowhere. <laughs> like I feel like she was gone for a few episodes and then like came back right at the end. It was back to her bullshit. Yeah. Rudy, you said you remember Susan not being yeah, a character. But- um, Susan, at, at that point, we had just gotten rid of Kelly. I forget the exact circumstances, but I know that I personally thought that she was the biggest strategic threat outside of Joel. You know, she was the one that masterminded Gretchen's boot. So I said, you know what, let's let's push that. And I had still been trying to keep Jerry and Kel in the game. And then Susan popped back up and she was just really erratic and just not very rational when it came to the game. So it almost felt like you had to like babysit her most of the time. Yeah, I was reading in that episode because uh, I had completely forgotten about this. But apparently you were kind of flirting with the idea of turning on Joel with Jerry and Kel. And you had yeah. decided not to ultimately in this final five. And I think you boot Jerry here. Yep. Mm-hmm. In the same episode, while you're entertaining going with Jerry and Kel, the big exile twist happens, which I think is the most fucked up twist we've ever done, maybe ever will the do. The worst twist ever. But super fun to look back on. <laughs> <laughs> so basically this twist, the only twist we did this season, because we didn't have a lot, I don't even think we had idols, we had this opportunity to give up your immunity in exchange for a reward. And most of the rewards were like, you know, an advantage in the next challenge or some kind of immunity or... Uh, it's an extra vote. Yeah, or I think Greg got one where he could read confessionals from a challenge, like the personality challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So, or he could see what someone answered. So, which is also fucked up, but things we wouldn't do now. But uh, the I big one. The, uh, the last one you did to an audience with jury. That's actually not bad. Mm-hmm. Not fair, but not <laughs> bad. So, the final big reward was going to be a, a boner, right? Because we said some might be good, some might be bad. This one was going to be bad. Joel gives up his immunity. It gets sent to Exile Island. Unbeknownst to him, everyone can see Exile Island and the <sighs> hosts start questioning him in Exile Island. And he thinks it's private, but it's not. I do remember specifically like not mentioning that it was going to be private, you know, like trying to toe the line, but it's not fair. Like It's totally going to fuck his game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right at the end. Fortunately, he has a great buddy in Rudy who immediately <laughs> sees that Joel is posting all these confessionals. Basically, I don't even think he was prompted on these confessionals. He just started posting them, revealing like his whole game basically in Exile Island. I guess because he's bored. And Rudy's like DMing him, like everyone can see that. Please edit it out immediately before we disable the edit feature. And that yeah, that's worth noting too. Is that we back then we could edit our messages. Now that would not be the case but yeah i remember just like being like oh my god he's getting ready to blow our game up i wasn't even so much concerned about him but more concerned about what he would say about me because i had still been kind of like working Mm. with susan and kill and jerry and i had just backstabbed jerry so i thought he was going to like say some shit that could implicate me so i was like let me tell him immediately to stop doing what he's doing (laughs) (laughs) amazing So, yeah, Joel gets the clue. So he deletes his messages, probably saving. I mean, that saved his game and your game, too. But um, more so, I think, enabled him to win. Spoilers. (laughs) I will say, looking back, I would have not done that, though. I would have loved him. (laughs) Yeah. King Rudy would have been all about it. It would have been like egging him on. Yeah. King Rudy would have let him hang himself. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But the loyal good Rudy was there. Mm-hmm. So yes. uh, fortunately for him, I guess you ended up siding with him after that because you boat Jerry here, mm-hmm. which leaves just Susan, Kel, you and Joel in the final four. Kel ends up going in the final four, not through no fight. I mean, the guy had great strategy, great fight throughout the whole season, but finally goes to the final four. Really, the last Aymara that gets booted. Right. Joel had basically won out, too, at that point. Um, he doesn't lose an immunity challenge. Right. So we're in the final three. Joel wins and boots Rudy. Uh, devastating. Yeah. The ultimate betrayal. Yep. Ultimate betrayal. I don't even that's, think he had to. That's what yeah, I became he- King Rudy at that point. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's the moment. <laughs> that was the exact moment. Yeah. A supervillain is born. Yep. Yeah, I could see. I mean, that's so savage. I mean, you just saved his game, basically, at that exile challenge. I mean, he gets the win, so like it's definitely the right move for him, I guess. But I think he probably could have won with you in the final two still. I, I agree. I actually do agree with that. I think he would have had the commanding lead. I don't think I think I maybe would have gotten maybe two votes at least, mm-hmm. possibly three. But I think he would have had the majority for sure. Not kidding. That is kind of how the season pans out. It's worth noting, since we brought it up, that I think the reason Bolivia gets brought up the most is for Gretchen. Ironically, for things that did not happen in the season. After Gretchen was voted out, she realized how much of an ass she looked like throughout the season. And so she decided to go back and edit out all of her confessionals. Oh, yeah. Which were, I can remember, extremely villainous. If you can imagine, Gretchen filtered as terrible unfiltered is 10 times worse so she went back and she edited out all her confessionals to make herself look better or not look bad and so now we have to disable that feature so thanks to gretchen anytime some player asks i make sure to tell them that that well our villain in the first season went back and deleted all their confessionals so now you don't have that ability oh yeah it was awful i i will say it was awful and again i think we're maybe we're getting a little bit too ahead of ourselves but i was the co-host in a future season and so i i was really close to to Pudi and the whole community stranded community and so i took it personally too that like she would edit out her messages because we all do Mm -hmm. stuff that we kind of regret and don't look back fondly over and so to kind of take that away was not cool yeah i mean you know i don't know i'm I'm gonna be a bitch you better own it yeah just own it just own it yeah (laughs) the legend of bitching so do you guys remember what the final vote count was for joel versus susan i asked because i don't have a because of a spreadsheet in front of me that is empty I remember it being kind of a landslide. I was going to say, I I wouldn't be shocked. I think it was six to one. I don't think it was a shutout, but I could be wrong. It was definitely uh, one sided, though. Yeah, it wasn't seven zero, but it was definitely lopsided in his favor. Yeah, like, I don't know if I think even like Gretchen and Greg might or well, Greg's not there, but Gretchen <laughs> for sure, I think was pro Joel at that point. Mm hmm. Yep. Especially because Susan was working with Joel and Gretchen. So um, when she betrayed them, she was definitely anti-Susan. Plus, Susan was like not there for a whole bunch of the time. So, right. Yeah. And Joel had won challenges. Joel had really dominated that season, especially looking back. Like he was definitely the calm voice of reason throughout all the chaos. So I think a great first winner and a pretty OK second winner. too. <laughs> yeah. But- yeah, pretty okay. Pretty okay. Put more we'll on that <laughs> in episode two of this series. Um, <laughs> Next, the reason the reason why Pooty IP checks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know the the fun part about these early seasons is that you know it really lays the groundwork for why we do what we do in the in the later. Yeah. Learn from our mistakes over the year. I guess we'll say. Thank God. Yeah. The the first first cycle wasn't the most polished but it was really really fun like when i think back about my long history of gaming online i think back to that time that i thought that first cycle very 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 fond memories yeah i think that was the big thing i think everyone who came out of it even greg and gretchen i can remember people talking about it a lot after that on survivor sucks and then i had made like episodes and it was just something different from what everything else that was going on at the time uh orgs were still relatively new but even then there was still this established world of gaming that was becoming repetitive so this was something totally different and i think everyone there felt that you know they got to meet new people which is not something that you normally did after games so right right and and everyone in that game was new to gaming so it was something new to them so there was this like special culture born out of that and of course right after that immediately we started planning season two and izad was kind of more busy so he didn't have the time to do that season very much and that's where i kind of took over and got back into gaming through this resurgence of energy i think that came out of bolivia and the rest is history and that's stranded history well, this was super fun. I love talking to you, Rudy. I love reminiscing on this season because it it is nice to go back. I think part of the problem in current Survivor and a lot of reality shows is that they don't look back enough on what made them successful. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And so this was a great opportunity because we do have a bit of a break before the big 4-0 to look back and uh, let everyone listening know what happened before this time. 
and the before times were very different than they are now. Very different, very different. And you're coming off of season 39, having almost won so close yet again. Uh, yet again, yet again, you know how I am. Yeah, <laughs> Third place. Not much changes, Rudy. Third Not place much again. changes from season one for me. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot changes, but, you know. <laughs> and it repeats in the end. <laughs> yeah. Look, history repeats itself, just does. <laughs> so I, I do think it's fun though to get to look back and, and I do see like you still see the the shell of stranded in these early seasons even though it's very different you can kind of see the groundwork it's a lot more raw like it just mm-hmm. feels very raw and extremely like everyone's putting outside of the inactive the few inactives that went the, in the very beginning you can see that everyone in like the final nine are are their genuine selves like you said it's not like people are putting sticks on people are just being themselves maybe a little bit extra but that's what makes it really unique and fresh compared to the other orcs at that time. Right. And I think now, 14 years later, you know, we have so much diversity in all, in age, gender, sexuality, uh, race, you name it. It's it's fun to look back on how it started with just the diversity of having new players, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like just that yeah. small concept. And now it's like, all right, how far can we push that within 14 years? And now it's like so wide open. And now we have like this cool community that watches all the seasons. So it's very much it's very much its own like microcosm now of a reality show. Whereas this first one was kind of like dipping our toes in that water. Levita, is there anything else you want to add about rereading this and your experience? Because I guess I should have introduced this at the top of the pockets. But you really the reason you're the official archivist of Stranded is because you're putting in a lot of research into Stranded. In general, you your research student but now (laughs) you're a research research professional now (laughs) before this you were starting to gather data on stranded to use in your professional career which i think is incredible i mean if if that was the only thing to come out of stranded i think it's worth it but you had started to put together things and and we talked about well let's put together these retrospectives so we can give a dump of all the information we know and kind of go back and look through it. How has this experience been for you, having played in only some of the later seasons, to be able to go back and look at what came before you were around? I mean, I am obviously obsessed with orgs now. Thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've turned it into my research projects, my research passions, really looking at how these people interact with each other and how, um, spoiler, my dissertation is really on how jurors decide who they're voting for. So it's really, really cool to just kind of go back and look through all of these. I'm drowning in Excel files, but (laughs) being able to have this material here to go back, read season one after I participated, starting with, I mean, my season was season 36 after isolated. So it's really crazy to go back, but you do still see what you were saying about it being raw. Like you do still see the, the foundations of a a branded season in there. Like it is the same. It's not super unfamiliar. It's just a very simple start, a very humble beginning with delivering on the big characters, delivering on the drama and delivering on a satisfying conclusion, really. So I think it's all there. And it's really fascinating to be able to go back and see, wow, 14 years ago, and you still get the big fights, and people don't (laughs) hold back. And you can just tell how invested people get in these seasons. Yeah, I think, you know, that's what people always ask me. What are your favorite seasons? It's it's really hard to tell because there have not been truly bad seasons of Stranded. There's maybe one that I would put on that list, but there's still redeemable qualities that I would I would go back and reread on. There's not too many like horrible seasons. I mean, at, at its core, Stranded brings together people. It's a hyper focused look at different personalities. And naturally, you get heroes and villains that arise in different scenarios. And what does that mean? I don't know. But I do know in every season, there's people that are the enemy and there's people that are the protagonists. And you can see that as an observable outsider. Maybe the players in the season don't see that at the time. It's just this weird phenomenon that happens, I think. And that's stranded. You know, every season we get a new set without fail. There will be some kind of drama. There's going to be people who piss each other off and fight. It doesn't matter the season, the circumstance. It just happens every time. So, and that's how we want to keep it. Damn it. It's always, it's always organic too. You know, it's, it's a great social experiment. 
And what's also interesting that maybe we didn't mention is like the connections that you actually build in the games. Mm-hmm. Because I remember becoming really close with Joel, even after his betrayal, we ended up being friends outside of the game for a while. It, it all just seems very organic. And I, I really appreciate that about Stranded. Absolutely. I think, I mean, that's still the case today. It's probably more so the case because now Mm-mm. there are, you know, it's even more personal and even more real. Yeah, it's which almost we love. becoming difficult to keep the alias aspect of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too real now. Real. <laughs> <laughs> we could bring it back. Maybe we'll have to do a, a you know, a back to basics or something. But I don't know if you could. It's a, the culture changes. I think online culture changes. So we mm-hmm. see that evolution over time. You know, these early seasons. I can remember a time where I'd be mortified if anyone knew my real name or saw my face. And I was like strictly this personality that could say whatever you wanted behind the guise of anonymity. Mm-hmm. That's not the case anymore. Uh, people are not afraid to tell them their story and who they are and uh, share personal things and have real relationships online. And, and, you know, it's totally different than it was uh, even 10 years ago. And so we start to see that evolution and that the seeds of that here. It's just really fascinating. I, we knew Stranded was something special after that first season because of that. As I said, I was I was out. I was done with orgs. I was really just helping Izad start something with graphics and whatever. But damn it, it was so good. I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do. You know, sucked you back in. Yep. Just when I thought I was out. <laughs> I don't have too much to say. I know, King Rudy, we will be seeing you in multiple seasons. So we will definitely have you back on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Thanks for, crazy like for King Rudy. So I'll definitely I'll definitely come back. <laughs> <laughs> Love Which it. is great. Having you here has been phenomenal because you can fill in some of the gaps that I don't remember. I wish we could get more people, but certainly your contributions are, are huge here because uh, I forget a lot. I mean, that I'm sure you have. And, you know, it's it's so strange because a lot of the situations that happened are kind of stained in my memory. Like <laughs> I, I, I definitely remember fighting with Gretchen a lot in future seasons. Like I think I really harbored kind of the way she behaved after. After the game was over, like her, you know, editing her her confessionals like that is brought into the forefront in future seasons. <laughs> yeah. And really, you know, that's who Gretchen is. Like she would go on to play countless orgs and would become infamous for her, let's say, abrasive personality. And still, you know, I'll email her and she'll be like, what the fuck? You still do this, loser? You know? <laughs> that's just her. That's just her. Yeah, that's just she's her. Not, she's not wrong, but <laughs> yeah. as, blunt, as blunt as you could be. And that's just her personality, man. And God, if I could have her back every time, I would put it that way. She's great. Yeah. Larger than life for sure. But yeah, like you said, you know, you remember that. And then I think Stranded just sticks with people. It's such a raw experience. And especially because it's a lot of people's first org experience. Mm hmm. The first time you is six with you, but also even people who've played tons of games will come back and be like, you know what? That was the best experience or maybe not the best, but the most memorable. Right. Because it's just so raw. I think because we encourage people to be themselves that it just feels more real. Right. Right. Which is what I'm interested your in. Your life for a while. I mean, when I was playing, <laughs> it was all I would think about for for the 20 odd days I was in the season. And not to say we're better than other or it's just totally different. I think that's why Stranded sticks out in people's memory because it's different. It's just a Mm -hmm. raw experience, an intense experience that you're not expecting. Kind of hits you like a brick. Whereas most orgs are just really fun. And you remember other orgs for different reasons, I think, than you remember Stranded. But yeah, I think that's going to do it. This has been fantastic. I love looking back. I love getting all this down so that future people can look back on it and know these stories because... They do kind of get lost after a while. The people go away. uh, Your memories kind of start to fade. So getting this on recording is important, I think. Uh, So I'm very excited to be doing this. And I want to thank you for taking the time out to talk about the first one and being part of the first episode with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so excited to keep doing these, even not having been here for most of them. (laughs) Yeah, Levita, you've been fantastic doing your research. And it just so happens you were doing this research anyway. So I was like, hey, yes, let's, just, exactly. uh, <laughs> let's actually record it since we, we can. This has been fun. I look forward to the next time where we talk about season two of Stranded, Stranded in Aruba. And that's when we really start to add in more twists and more players because I had been kind of let off my leash a little bit. Yeah, it gets it gets spicy in season two. With Izad <laughs> gone telling me not to do any twists, you know, <laughs> I finally got to be like, okay, let's do some twists. 
but still restrained, I think is important. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that in the next edition, but more good stranded to come. I really love these early seasons. I think there's something special about them. So uh, I hope everyone listening has enjoyed learning their stranded history lesson for today. Uh, I think that's going to do it for me. I want to thank Rudy and Levita for doing their research and helping put this first episode together, which I think is going to be a fun series for people to listen to. And I think might be our most popular. I would think people coming into the seasons will want to look back and know a little bit before they go into it. So right, hopefully right. This, this, this will give them a good idea. Uh, but thank you guys. And I hope you have a good weekend. You as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye.